1: Welcome to Locked On Box. I'm your host, Cam Tidman, here alongside the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. For today's episode, that is brought to you by Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Just visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. So, day two of free agency as we're recording this at uh, nearly 11 p.m. Central Time is starting to wind down. And... As you pointed to on yesterday's show, Frank, the, the shelf life of these podcasts tends to, tends to stay pretty short. There's always action. There's always things going on. The, <clears> second, <throat> the second you stop recording, you know that there's probably a tweet that's coming through. I thought we timed it pretty well last night in regards to the Semi-Ojale news coming through. And I will say this, if you're just jumping on the podcast here, I go back yesterday because we really discussed the PJ Tucker uh, move or the fact that he went to Miami, Bobby Portis, Semi So if you missed any of that um, reaction, go back and listen to yesterday's podcast. But as far as today goes, Rodney Hood happened pretty early. That, that one happened in the morning. That was before I went to sleep over here in Australia. And as I mentioned to you, I, I think we'll start with George Hill, Frank, because when we were discussing potential targets for the point guard position or the guard position or that, that extra ball handler that we certainly believe the Bucks need, we went through a bunch of names and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think we both sort of loosely referenced George Hill and maybe even laughed a little bit. Ah, oh, he's not coming back here. Sort of dismissed the idea that George Hill would come back to Milwaukee. And here we are. I wake up this morning. George Hill is coming back to the Bucks. What a surprise. Uh, and I would say a pleasant surprise. George Hill obviously was was really, really solid in his time here in Milwaukee. But what's your reaction with George Hill? Certainly a position of need for the Bucs. And, and I would say an upgrade from... DJ Augustine and Jeff Teague.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm really happy to have George back. I mean, he's 35. Look, I mean, he's mm-hmm. obviously um, you know a, an older guy at this point, but um, and, and did not have a great postseason with with Philly. I, I didn't. I, it's funny when the Bucks had that that two game set against the Sixers uh, after the All Star break, and you know, he had just landed there. He, he was injured a fair bit, but his numbers in in Oklahoma City were actually quite good, and it was funny. There were a couple, a uh, couple plays where like Giannis was guarding him and Giannis was basically like defending him like Ben Simmons, almost <laughs> like, <laughs> like treating him like he just wasn't even going to try to shoot a three, which of course, you know, we know George is very capable of hitting open threes. You know, he had that phenomenal shooting season two years ago when he was up in the high forties with the bucks. Um, but that's always sort of been the thing with George really sort of in the latter stage of his career, so really since he ended up in Cleveland. It's like, he just has been super low usage and just hasn't really hunted his shot much at all, despite, you know, generally being very efficient from two and three. And um, yeah, I mean, I think you, you still look at his numbers last year um, between Oklahoma city and, and Philly and they, they ended up still being pretty good. He was still very efficient as a score. Uh, and, you know, again, yes, is he older? Of course. Uh, but, you know, look at him and, you know, what was the big concern going into last season with the bucks and the, and the signings they made in the off season? It was, D.J. Augustine, he's really small. How's that going to work in the playoffs? Yeah. It was Bobby Portis, doesn't have a history of playing good defense. How's that going to work in the playoffs? Bryn Forbes, he's also really small. How's that going to work in the playoffs? And um, obviously, they ended up pulling the plug on D.J. Augustine and exchanging a questionable defending point guard for P.J. Tucker, which obviously worked out uh, in the best way possible in the postseason. But, um, you know, Portis was, he was kind of mixed bag defensively, obviously, in the playoffs. but found his way after that net series and, you know, grew into a really key player in, in those last two rounds. And obviously I think as a Bucks fan, you have to be thrilled to have him back given that, you know, he's a very good regular season player and um, hopefully can, can be productive in the playoffs. And, um, you know, we'll see with Brent Forbes, he's still on the market. Never say never. Uh, Brent Forbes is still on the market. Uh, and uh, I think with, with George, um you know, I think I think we talked about this on the podcast. People may remember, and I, I kind of quote tweeted an old tweet of my own, um, where I kind of was basically bemoaning sort of, uh, you know, my big regret of last off season for the Bucks was that they didn't find a way to keep George Hill out of the trade with for Drew Holiday. And of course, you know, you know, we all viewed that as like, hey, whatever you had to do to get Drew Holiday, okay, you know, I guess that's okay, um, but. I just couldn't help but think, well, what happens if you keep George Hill, you don't have to spend the mid-level on DJ Augustine, and you can use that on some other type of player, man, that that probably puts you in a better spot going into the regular season. Ultimately, it all worked out, right? <laughs> they ended up trading DJ Augustine, getting off that contract, and the, the deal that brought PJ in, um, and, you know, it was okay, but certainly, I think we all felt like watching first DJ and then uh, Jeff Teague in the playoffs, after, especially after Dante goes down, we just, you know, you, man, you felt like geez, that backup point guard spot is is really a point of weakness when it had been a point of strength during George's couple years in Milwaukee, especially when Eric Bledsoe was struggling. I think it was always a relief to know that you had a really steady two-way guy in George who had good size, could knock down open threes. Um, and, you know, while he was here, I mean, he, he could still get to the rim and dunk, like, from half-court settings from time to time, too. You know, I mean he didn't always seem to really look for his shot, but at times, you know, when he did, he seemed to still be pretty good at it. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the age is obviously a factor, uh, but uh, I think he's a guy that that I think you have to like the way that his steadiness fits into the backcourt for the Bucs. And, uh, you know, Dante DiVincenzo tweeted out a very excited gif when the news broke. (laughs) Um, You know, I, I think obviously... Uh, he was a guy that was very well liked in that locker room, just a really steady veteran. And, um, you know, when we, when Bobby Portis said, run it back, um, you know, we thought, okay, they're going to try to bring Bobby and PJ Tucker back. Uh, I guess it turns out they're running it back a little bit, (laughs) a little bit further back than, uh, than last, the end of last season, bringing George back from the previous year. So, um, so yeah, I I think it's, you know, generally a positive thing. Um, I think, you know, again, assuming he can still be, uh, you know, close to the guy that we saw in Milwaukee uh, a little over a year ago, uh, you have to feel feel pretty good about this move. And and again, you know, just thinking about not just the regular season, but but guys that can play in the playoffs, guys that can be malleable enough to play different ways in the playoffs. I think George Hill is is much more of that type of player than uh, the kind of backup, you know, guards and league lead guards that the Bucks had last year behind Drew Holiday.
1: I'll also say with George Hill that uh, I was thrilled that he was uh, that he was actually willing to sign back in Milwaukee as well because, as you pointed to, uh, he was a really popular player among the group and in that locker room. I, I know that for a fact, and you know you already mentioned Dante Divincenzo, but he always sort of described George Hill as his big brother. Those two connected right from the start and it was really a bit of a shame and you didn't know whether it was what happened on the court stuff that was going off the court but you didn't know whether there was some bad blood there i mean it was there was some stories out there we didn't know you know how george hill sort of felt about the organization so i was thrilled to see him come back and uh, and just you know whether it's off court whether it's on court um, good guy to have around the organization so i'm happy to see george hill back and as you pointed to it'll be interesting to see last point on george hill here i mean he is 30 just turned 35 actually so uh, he'll be able to get through, uh will turn 36 in May next year. So hopefully that's when the Bucs are on a playoff run. And you know, hopefully the injuries don't linger. If you remember back to when he was traded to Milwaukee, he missed some time. He was certainly banged up when he got to the Bucks. They were able to get him healthy and it ultimately paid off. He only played 30 games in total last year. When he did play, still played over 20 minutes per game. So I'd imagine he's still got something left in the tank, but we'll see there with George Hill. Now, Rodney Hood, Again, I mentioned this with Semi Ojale yesterday. Rodney Hood, perhaps not a guy that I had on my radar in terms of free agency acquisitions. And, you know, when the signing came out, I figured that it was going to be a minimum deal. That's certainly the indication that we have. So it's, it's, it's a fine signing, in my opinion. But I did have some concerns. So, okay, hopefully this isn't, isn't, isn't the, the one signing they've got. Hopefully they get that guard. Now they've got George Hill. I certainly feel better about it. I think it's just a giant question mark, though, Frank. I mean... This was a guy that was playing or having a really really nice run with Portland going back a few years ago. Then he had a disastrous Achilles injury that you know really takes out a high percentage of, of athletes that they are never able to really get back to be the same guy. but I will say this: he shoots the ball really well a career thirty six percent three point shooter he 's got great size six eight on the wing again, another guy that previous versions of Rodney Hood, you'd say, well, he's a switchable guy. He can defend multiple positions. Just a big question mark for mine. I have no idea what he's got left. And to be quite honest, I had to get on basketball reference and see where he was playing last year because I had no idea. He actually played in 55 games last year, which was uh, a little bit of a surprise for me. Started with Portland, finished in Toronto. Uh, I think he was a part of that uh, deal with Gary Trent Jr. All right, Frank, let's talk about Built Bar now, as we know, the best tasting protein bar that has ever been made. And with Built Bar this month, we're celebrating freedom of choice. Did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors? There is something for everyone. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, you're simply missing out. Go to Bilt.com and check out which one You want to try whether it's raspberry, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, you can keep going down the list. Uh, We've got a pretty good offer for you guys. And uh, I will just note as the athletics program in Tokyo continues to ramp up, Built Bar is the official protein bar of the US track and field team. Just go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED for 15% off at built.com.
0: Yeah, I'm not really sure what what to expect of, of Rodney Hood. Uh, he tore his Achilles in in December 2019 uh and really was was not, you know, close to the same player last year. Uh so you know, and and he's had injury kind of various types of injury problems over the years. Um so I, he's certainly a minimum type type guy. I, you know, I I'm guess I guess he's probably guaranteed, but I wouldn't be shocked if maybe it wasn't entirely guaranteed, um, especially the way that the Bucks have continued to add guys uh, here over the last twenty the last twenty four hours or so. Um, the roster's filled up quite quickly. Mamu is is coming in on a two way deal to sort of accommodate uh, all those all those veterans that that are being brought in, and and you know I think I think we'll see. I, it hasn't been kind of confirmed by any of the usual suspects what uh, what type of number. Um, uh, Hill is getting in terms of um in terms of salary, but uh I I don't think I, I would not assume it's a minimum. I think there's been some murmurs that it might be a minimum. I don't know that I would assume that. Um and in which case if it's more than the minimum, I mean again the taxpayer mid-level is only five point nine million. So, you know, if you're more than I mean, if you're three, four million bucks, then all of a sudden, you know, the taxpayer mid-level is you're half gone at that point anyway. So um so you know, I get the sense, you know, after Hill and hood uh, and obviously Portis uh, and uh it seems like maybe there's one more guy um, that, that you can add, but um, you know, I know there's been a lot of, well, maybe we can talk a little bit about kind of like who else it could be, but um, you know, I, I, I don't, it seems like there's still a lot of people talking tonight as we're doing this about, you know, Oh, can they, can they give Victor Oladipo the full taxpayer mid level or Danny green, the full taxpayer mid level? I, again, I might I might end up being wrong about this but I I don't believe that's probably going to be in the cards. I mean Danny Green I I just don't know how you could get Danny Green for the taxpayer mid level regardless. Um but uh but you know this is where it gets kind of interesting uh in free agency because around day 2 day 3 this is when cap space and a lot of those exceptions tend to dry up and you know you can often find kind of the best values. If you know if you're I always like my view is always like if you're a team that is uh has very limited you know, room, really, I I shouldn't even say that, even even if you have a lot of cap room, you know, you almost, almost, unless it's like your own players that you're just trying to keep, signing other teams, free agents, you pretty much always want to avoid the midnight or now five East, five central time (laughs) (laughs) signings on day one. That's usually not, the guys jumping at contracts, uh, the second you get a chance at them. Not surprisingly, those are oftentimes not Team favorable contracts. So I mean, you don't need to um, do it a lot of time's- like
1: that. Okay, we love our son. We we, we don't need to add <laughs> him on this podcast like that. Okay, he's at home. He's, yeah. he's just trying to relax. He's a free agent. Yeah. Still.
0: Well, talk talk about a talk about a real run it back move. free uh, <laughs> yeah, back. Early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so so I think this is always where it gets a little bit interesting because you start to see deals that um, a lot of times like, oh man, they got they got so and so for only the tax mid level, or you know, like today we talked about you know Malik Monk is like a young guy. Mm-hmm. Flyer type guy, I mean, he signs for the minimum with the Lakers, which, you know, I mean, is Malik Monk actually going to be like a net positive good player? I have no idea, right? But he's 23. He's he's fun. He's a fun guy to to roll the dice on. So you can get a guy like that for the minimum. I think you feel feel good about it. But especially for the Bucks, you know, you don't have you obviously you don't have that much ammunition here to use in free agency. And um, you know, I think the Hill signing again, I, I I feel pretty good about that, especially given some of the limitations and. Um, you know the how hard it is to find a guy that can shoot the ball, make hit some threes, but also play pretty good defense. I mean that's just again, it's just kind of hard to to find all those things um when you're pretty limited in terms of what you can spend in free agency. So so yeah, I think the hill the hill move um I'm fine with it even if it ends up costing a little bit more than the minimum. Um and um you know we'll see we'll see kind of what else is in the cards. But again, I I, I don't think they signed George Hill when they could have signed Danny Green or um, I don't know, pick, pick, pick some of your other favorite types of players who probably are going to get um, more than the tax for mid-level, or at least, you know, I get the impression the Bucks uh, did offer that, <laughs> offer that to Danny Green. And I just don't think that was in the offing, but you know, again, this is a weird part of the part of the calendar where, um Guys start to maybe again maybe surprise people signing for m- m- money that's maybe a little less than you expected. I, I don't. I mean, Patty Mills was probably the, the the biggest early mover of the day when it was announced he was going to the Nets. Which obviously, I think, I mean, I don't need to tell you, Kane. Nobody mm-hmm. would have been happier to see Patty Mills in Milwaukee than, than you. I think I certainly would have been also similarly excited about it. Um, but he ends up going to Brooklyn, so you'll just have to you know basically cut all ties, several ties with Patty Mills next year, I guess. Uh, because of that, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. A lot of, a lot of interesting moves and, um, um, you know, I think I like the hill move hood move. I don't know. I mean, he's a minimum. Um, I'm not convinced he's, you know, he's still a guy. I I was actually, I've never really been a Rodney hood guy period, to be honest. Um, he's always been kind of a, like a below efficient, like low efficiency gunner type, um, who kind of has, you know, hot shooting stretches and he looks really good but maybe not as good as uh as as some of the the highlights or some of the high points suggest so him coming out the injury i treat that more as you know kind of a a flyer and and who knows maybe he can be be a useful bench guy but um i'm kind of uh, a little bit skeptical of that so um but I, I don't know i mean i'm 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 certainly feeling like you know again the the disappointment of the bucks kind of punting on on pj notwithstanding i mean Free agency has been okay. It's been fine for the Bucks. I, you know, um, I think they've at least added a bit of depth here uh, in the first couple of days, and um, you know, we'll see if we'll see if that all kind of pans out. Because certainly, when you sign a bunch of guys for low low dollar amounts, um, you're not getting you know guar- anything guaranteed with those guys. Um, so you, you're going to have to have things break your
1: way, but um, we'll see. The Bucks certainly moved away from the annual tra- tradition of. Uh, infuriating the fan base with one contract in particular which you know I mean you have to give them some credit for that at this point depending what they do maybe there's still time who knows but uh, certainly the Tucker decision or the the non-signing there was or is the controversial move but as the roster stands right now and I tweeted this out before I went to sleep last night and of course this is always moving this was uh, after hood and pre-George Hill here so when you look at the roster right now, Giannis, Milton, Holiday, Lopez, DiVincenzo, Conadon, Portis, Jordan Wara, Semi Ojale, Rodney Hood, Sam Merrill, Diakite, Elijah Bryant, uh, George Hill, obviously there as well, and Sandro, uh, Mamu Kalashvili. So I actually tweeted that out, and this was before Hill was on that list, and they were at 15 with Sandro being that 15th guy, and I got a DM immediately from someone that is more in the know than me saying that uh, Mamu was going to be a two-way player, that has been confirmed later on. So if you put Sandro as a two-way player there, and this is assuming that Yorgos does not come over, and that's just me guessing that he won't, but who knows? He could be a two-way player as well. The Bucks roster currently is at 15, Frank. And as we've mentioned you know, whether it's Elijah Bryant, Sam Merrill, I mean, there's some decisions to be made there. If they want to add one, there's certainly room to do so. And we should also say that Thanasis is a free agent, and uh, well, we haven't seen anything there. I put him in that 15 right now, so of course, I mean, you know, maybe Thanasis doesn't come back. I just don't see it. I've always assumed that he'll be a guy that'll get a contract with it one year, two years, whatever it may be. At the minimum there, I'm just assuming that Thanasis will come back and play for this team, but... I am kind of in the same boat as you, that I, I do think that the Bucs have, and whether or not you're happy with the signings, that's a completely different discussion, but I do think that they've at least addressed the the needs if you're going to lose P.J. Tucker, Mojolay, and then they've got another wing guy in Rodney Hood and a backup point guard. So I think generally they've filled the gaps that we identify, but I do think there is potentially another signing there. Oladipo is clearly the name that gets thrown up a lot and we'll see I mean there's huge question marks over him obviously health wise I think it's interesting and I spoke about him last offseason as a guy that you know I was really interested in taking a flyer on I thought that there was some positive signs when he came back and I'm just looking at the cleaning the glass numbers now and this to me was the biggest sign that I thought that he was looking pretty confident and looked like he was at least maybe not going to get back to peak Depot, but becoming a productive player as you know a number three guy or a number four guy however you want to describe the score off the bench whatever it may be and that was his finishing at the rim so when he first came back from his injury he wasn't scoring at the rim at all and it's obviously a super small sample size but in 2019-20 with the paces he was at 44% at the rim last year uh, across the entire season uh, he was over 60% at the rim. And I just thought that that was a really good sign. He was aggressive. He was taking it to the paint. Now, of course, then he had this major quad injury again. And now the question marks are all still there, but I'm probably in the, in the boat that I would have very, very low expectations for what he could do, but I would take a flyer on Victor Oladipo if He was a guy that was available. A quick note now from betonline.ag who have been uh, fabulous sponsors of the podcast for a long time. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action At Bet Online. The Brewers, as I keep mentioning, just rolling along. We all hope they continue to push towards October baseball and hopefully a successful postseason run. But you can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs. So before the next pitch, head over to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams continue their run to playoffs. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Well, you already mentioned Danny Green. Is there anyone else that stands out to you here if you were going to add a guy? Because, you know, I know you've... And uh, I'm bringing this up every pod now, so I apologize. But I know, you know you've know you mentioned Elijah Bryant, potentially as a guy that might see an opportunity this year. Sam Merrill, let's be honest, was the 60th pick. I mean, the the expectations aren't high for him. There's room for the Bucks to add another guy. Is there anyone at all that stands out other than the guys we've already mentioned? Um, you know,
0: Justice Winslow is a guy that has also <laughs> had a bunch of injury problems. Um, I, I think we talked about him the other night. I, I still think he's um, an interesting player. Um, you know, never. I, I thought. I think we were all hoping that that he would get some real run in uh, in Memphis, and we'd see kind of okay. You know, is is what is what is this version of of justice, and and can can he start to fulfill some of the promise we saw uh, in Miami? But um, you know, instead he he only plays twenty six games there, only played twenty minutes, and um, you know the numbers again are just kind of like I mean, he's it's sort of like the the Rodney Hood situation. Like you know his numbers last year, like he's barely played, and the numbers are really bad. And so it's like, what do you even make of it, right? Um, so he, I think. Uh, Winslow, Oladipo, Oladipo in particular, just because he's not, I think, I think he he may come back early-ish in the fall, but he's not, you know, I don't think there's any expectation he'd be ready for the start of the season. So, you know, I think uh hey, we we as much as we may debate Bucks ownership and certain aspects of uh the Bucks as an organization, Bucks performance staff I think has never been <laughs> questioned. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, if you're gonna bet on Sookie Hobson uh, and Troy Flanagan's team to uh, to you know get guys back to where they need to be and you know reach their physical potential. Um, you know, hey, I, I'm I'll happily kind of take bets like that. Uh, again, the challenge is I think partially just the fact that you already have Dante, who is an injury question mark coming yes. back. You know, when is it, whenever it is, is it? Um, two months into the season three months you know we don't really know john Horst suggested he was ahead of schedule ish but um i don't know i don't know that we really know what that means at this point so um given DiVincenzo's a big question mark you know signing sort of <laughs> the stop gap, uh as a guy who also isn't ready for the regular season just is kind of more problematic right because whoever you're start signing as like a shooting guard, those are the guys you like really want to be available at the start of the season. Cause that's when you're really going to need them. So, um, you know, I, I still think on a minimum contract, I would still say, sure, roll the dice on, you know, an Oladipo type. I'm, I will happily wave my, my dear friend, Elijah Bryant, um, to take a, you know, a home run swing at a minimum contract on, on a guy like Oladipo who also has a good relationship with Giannis and, you know, so th- there there are some angles that you could work there with Oladipo to maybe um, maybe get him to to take a take a risk. I mean, uh, clearly his market is uh, is not very <laughs> not very robust right now. Uh, can he get anybody to actually bite on a taxpayer mid level deal for him? Given just you know uncertainty around his his health and how good he can even be this year, um, th- that's obviously a big question, and I, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe there's somebody who's, who's willing to risk that, but, um, the bucks I think are, are interesting because, um, you know, they can offer a, a potential pathway to starting and proving himself this year in a, on a contending team that, that obviously not a lot of other teams can necessarily offer. So, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't close the book on all Bo, but, um, but I would say, you know, I I don't know. I think a lot of people were getting very excited about tonight and. Who knows? By the time people hear this, maybe something will have changed. But um, I, I, I have not gotten the impression that I, that there's a lot to it at this point. But but again, you know, there's there's some history there. The Bucks, you know, poked around Oladipo as a trade target last fall during the offseason, Which, man, talk about sliding doors. Can you imagine if the Bucks <laughs> had opted to uh, instead of pursuing Drew Holiday, if they had, you know, obviously they wouldn't have had to pay as much for Oladipo last fall. But I mean. That that's one of the all-time. Um, thank goodness they didn't go for that move, right? If they had uh, paid a lower price, but but ended up with Victor Oladipo last year instead of Drew Holiday, um, that's that's one of those that probably we don't want to think too too hard about. But um, but as far as you know, a minimum contract guy that you don't, don't have to give up anything for, and you know maybe you have to cut loose uh, an Elijah Bryan or a Sam Merrill or something like that. You know, I think that's fine. And the, and the other thing too is, I mean, you know, you could potentially also wave an Elijah Bryan, and then bring him back on a two way or something like that as well. So it's not like, um, you know, you're, you're condemned to, uh, to lose those guys forever. I think only catch next year is we're not expecting two ways to be eligible to play in the playoffs, but I don't, you know, not to, not to put a damper on, you know, the Mammu or, or other two way, uh, excitement, but I don't know that, uh, two ways being ineligible for the playoffs is going to, going to be a big factor for the Bucks. Um, and, and again, if if somehow it was if Man, you know, if Mamu sets the world on fire, uh, you could always convert him uh, sometime during the season but uh, but yeah um, we will we'll will see
1: so just some other names and uh, obviously, if some of these guys have, have already struck a deal, then uh, please correct me here frank it's it can be hard to keep track of this, and hopefully this is up to date here on spot track, but some of the guys that are still out there that some of the listeners may have some interest in, and again i don 't know whether. Some of these guys are even going to be attainable for that for that mid level if if that's what was on offer. But Reggie Jackson, Wayne Allenton, uh Wesley Matthews, obviously old friend. I, again, I won't say I'll never say never after George Hill returning, but I would be surprised if Wesley Matthews came back. Uh, the some other players that are on the list here: uh, Avery Bradley, Lou Williams, uh, Paul Millsap. I, I think that he's still out there as well. You already mentioned Justice Winslow, but JJ Reddick is out there, Kay, Kelly. Ubre, Dennis Schroeder. So there is some names. Garrett Temple, uh, oh, sorry, he signed with the, with the Pelicans. But there is a bunch of veteran names out there that you know, would be certainly intriguing. And you may look at them and say, yeah, I mean, that's going to be more valuable than, than perhaps one of the other guys that's towards the end of the rotation there or the end of the roster there. So we'll see. And of course, because it wouldn't be me without mentioning... And an Australian, Dante Exum, still looking for a home. And, uh, you know, again, I mean, you already mentioned with the injury concerns, perhaps he's not a guy that the, that the Bucks would be targeting. But for anyone that hasn't watched Australia in the Olympics, he's looking pretty damn good. He actually dunked on two guys last night, one of them Campazzo, which, as we all know, uh, Facundo Campazzo, one of the most annoying players to to play against, or watch, watch your team play against. And Dante Exum put it on the floor, dunked on two guys in the one poster. And of course, Campazzo whacked him across the back of the head as he threw it down. But Exum's looking really good. If the Bucks didn't have injury concerns, I'd say give him the 15th spot. I'll be happy. People will have to listen to me talk about Dante Exum all year long. But there is some names still out there. There's no doubt about that. And as you pointed to, it's generally on day three, day four, day five, where there's some hidden gems and you see that tweet come through and you think that guy was still available. Oh man, I can't believe that he got paid that money.
0: I mean, I, I, Exum's actually a guy that I was thinking about earlier today, um, before the Hill announcement because, he told me. well, I, I mean, so a lot of us, I think probably watched a lot of random YouTube, clip, YouTube clips of Dante Exum mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, 2014 because of that draft, and yeah. obviously him being a highly touted guy that year, and the Bucks having the second pick. And um, you know, it's it's unfortunate that he just sort of never, um, you know, never could really kind of break through, and then had the hell of the injury problems so far in his in his pro career. Uh, because I mean, I think it was against the I want to say the Rockets, maybe the Rockets in the playoffs, where you know he just has stretches defensively. I think against Harden, he had some stretches defensively where it's like, man, you know, he's got a big frame for. For a guard, um, he's obviously not like thick and strong, but he's kind of got some wiry strength. And, um, you know, and again, I'll defer to you. I haven't watched him lately, but, you know, after all the injuries, sounds like he's, he's doing pretty well. Uh, but certainly he's a guy that physically has, has some really good defensive tools and offensively, you know, clearly has never sort of put it together in any sort of consistent way. But certainly, you know, if the quickness is there, he's an interesting player. He's got some playmaking ability. The shooting has obviously never been consistent for him mm-hmm. um, from the perimeter, which obviously is, you know, long-term, that's a problem, especially on a team like the Bucks. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, like, would I rather take a flyer on, you know, Sam Merrill or, or Dante Axum? I mean, again, I, I think when you are just coming off a really long playoff run, who were the guys that could, could get minutes? It, you know, it was guys that could defend, right? <laughs> and, um, you know, I think with Dante Axum, you at least make the case that, hey, he's, can be a versatile defensive guard. And um, maybe if he finally puts something together a little bit on offense, you know, can he be a, a, can he grow into sort of like a backup guard type role? I don't think that's a huge, a huge stretch. Um, And, you know, it's, it's crazy to think, I mean, he's 26 years old. I mean, he's a year older than Sam Merrill. (laughs) So, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to forget just sort of how young he still is. And, um, at six six, again, just the physical tools are are very interesting for for a guard who who can handle the ball a bit. So so yeah, I I would have been, I I'd, you know, you know, if you ask me, would I rather have Rodney Hood or Dante Exum? Like, given both guys' injuries, I think you can make a good case that that Dante Exum might actually be more interesting, um, just because I I can see Dante Exum being useful defensively in the playoffs. I'm not sure, I don't know. I'm not as sold on Rodney Hood at this point. Being able to do that, so, um, so yeah, shout out to and, and we need an Aussie. We need an Aussie yeah. to you know it's give you long. an angle to to be a an Aussie fanboy a little bit with the Bucks. I mean, we've had a rich history of, uh, of Aussies in this in this city. So, baseball and basketball, you know, lots mm-hmm. of Graham Lloyd, Dave Nilsson, Trent
1: Durrington. I think is also Australian. You know, gotta gotta
0: need to bring some back some Aussie. If we can't have Kane in Milwaukee, we gotta have some some Aussie athletes.
1: Yeah, and you already mentioned Troy Flanagan, Suki Hobson is is certainly uh, we honorary. Claim her. Yeah, yeah, we claim yeah. her. There's there's no doubt about that. Andrew Small, the physio. There's a bunch of Aussies on the staff. So give them someone, Give them a fellow. Give them a fellow Aussie too to uh to have in the locker room and when i was in milwaukee uh so whether it was andrew small or suki and and when thon when he was there in Dali, there would always be this little australian circle in the locker room after the game we'd all be chatting It was never about the game we were just bullshitting about general you know whatever stuff that we talk about and uh yeah we used to get teased a little bit everyone would walk past and oh there's the aussie circle again in the locker room so it's, it's fun it's fun get another aussie uh on the roster there but i'll mention Locked on Bets, uh, which is, uh, you know, if you're into that type of thing, is a, is a pretty good podcast to listen to because the NBA, MLB, NFL, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. And as we wrap this up, Frank, um, by the time we talk next, uh, whenever that podcast or by the time people are listening to the next podcast... Australia would have played Team USA in the women's basketball and in the men's. And the women's game is about half an hour from tip-off here, or it's, it's very, very soon. Clearly, the USA, big-time favourites there. I wouldn't expect Australia will win that game, despite the fact they'll be hopeful. But this men's game, bring it on. Bring it on. You never know what could happen. Australia's beat Team USA twice in a row. Uh, maybe there's another big upset on the cards there. But I'll say this. As an Australian, we've never won a medal. The Boomers have never won a medal before. If they lose this game, they'll either play Luca. Slovenia or France for the bronze. I just want a medal, Frank. It would be it's hard to describe because I feel like talking about Olympic basketball with, with Americans, it's like you you can't understand how huge it would be for Australia to get an Olympic medal, whether it is bronze, silver, or gold. So I'm just even if they lose to the USA, I just want that medal. It's really, really fun watching these guys play.
0: Yeah, and normally I, I honestly haven't been that vested in uh team USA basketball just because I don't know. Like I, I almost know the players too well to have <laughs> my um, patriotism really, really factor in much. Yeah. And since there hasn't typically been really Bucks connections um, in in quite a while, I mean, kind of Michael Red had a year where I think I don't think he played really the year he went to the Olympics. Um, and Big Dog famously went to the Olymp- what well, was on the Olympic team, but then didn't actually play because of injury. Um, so I, I, yeah, I haven't really invested that much in in. Olympic basketball since I think Redeem team. I, I I think I watched them and I was into it then. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I'm old enough to remember watching the Dream team when I was 11. That was amazing. And the 96 team as well. I grew up a, a David Robinson fan. So watching him, especially given his background, representing his country was, was really cool. But uh, but yeah, I mean, with Chris and Drew on this team, I, I certainly have been way more engaged. I actually stayed up to watch uh, last night's game against Spain, which which ended up being a lot of fun after Ricky Rubio kind of just mm. kept making all the shots and just treating everybody like they're, his little brother just driving <laughs> to the basket and just throwing up layups over everybody. Um, eventually, the uh, quality of Team USA kind of won out, and it's been really fun. I mean, Drew Holiday has been just so good in uh, in the Olympics so far. Um, you know, been pretty good scoring, had a bunch of cuts for baskets yesterday, and um and obviously his defense and the physicality that you know i think the um uh, the the you know international game now requires you be able to play with i think it's just been obviously a, a really cool thing to see so and, and chris has had some moments too but you know i think drew you know you can make the case drew is you know been right there among you know with, with katie and others as sort of the best american player here in the tournament which is awesome and you know i mean i, I you know of course i'm i'm really rooting for those guys i mean if only because just the idea of Drew and Chris being able to win an NBA title and then go and and make the Olympic team, which is obviously a big deal for them, right? I mean, this they haven't been in this position before. It's not like they're just superstars that get, you know, automatically picked to these things if they want to. But clearly they, you know, it mattered a lot to them. It was a big deal to get the announcement. They could have obviously said, hey, I, I just had a grueling playoff run. I, I'm going to take the summer off. And, uh, you know, I think it obviously speaks to how much this matters to them, that, that they're even there and for them to, you know, be making an impact the way they have, um, you know, has, has been fun to watch. And, but, you know, again, <laughs> if you lose the next game, um, you know, America, let's just say, I mean, there, there's, there's only one color medal that, that anybody cares about, which, um, you know, I think for, for you guys, obviously it's a little bit different. And, you know, even if, even if you guys obviously were to win, quote unquote, only bronze, I think that would obviously still be an awesome, Mm-hmm. Story for for Australia. So um, you know, I've I've always, going back to the Bogot days, I've always had a soft spot for the Aussies. So I will be rooting for the U.S., but you know, of course, still hoping that uh, <laughs> that you guys can can claim claim a medal as well. And if you do win, then I'll uh, I'll be rooting for the Aussies in the uh, in uh, in the finals. But um, is it what's the sense with with the Australians? I mean, like with Spain, it was interesting because that team was very old. Argentina obviously has, you know, their their sort of golden generation at this point is, you know, kind of four to eight years kind of past as well. Um, with with Australia, what's what sort of sense? I mean, it seems like there's, you know, you guys, you guys are sort of at the tail end of, um, you know, kind of the, I guess, do you guys call it your golden generation of basketball? Mm. Um, with with the the kind of guys that are in their 30s now.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think that's why, um, genuine, and when I say like the whole country is like locked into this boomers run, they absolutely are. I mean, everyone is watching this team when they play. And and I, I think a big reason for that is because, again, it's a little bit different to the Team USA. I mean, we've watched these guys at the Olympics since 2008. You know, when you talk about Patty Mills, Joe Ingles, Aaron Baines, who unfortunately is injured and, and isn't going to play, but and, and Dali, so we, we think that this is going to be, their last run, and Andrew Bogut was a part of that. I would suspect Paddy Mills will be will play in twenty twenty four. He'll still only be thirty three, so I imagine he's he's got another Olympic games in him. But there's always been such commitment from those guys to play to play for Australia, and that's why everyone loves them so much, and that's why they're so popular here in Australia because they've never they've never walked away from the opportunity to play for the country and try and win that medal. And there's been so many so many agonising moments when they've been close to winning that bronze, whether it's at the Olympics, whether it's at the, the World Cup as well. The men's program has never won a medal at a major tournament. So it, it feels like this is their, their last run. They're playing good basketball. They beat Argentina by 40 points last night. So there's a lot of excitement, whether it is gold, silver, or bronze. It would be a, a massive achievement for them. And it does feel like it's kind of the last hurrah for these guys, which probably adds to that, particularly when you see someone like Ben Simmons, who is, you know, for the most part, villain number one in Australia for not coming and being a part of this team. Which is funny when you mention that because he's Philadelphia seventy sixes teammate Matisse Thibel is like a national hero right now. He is the popularity of Matisse Thibel in Australia is one hundred percent. Everyone loves this guy. He's been playing incredible basketball for the national team, so people love Matisse and people don't love Ben.
0: How Thybulle's like family? Like he wasn't born there, right? Like they like moved there when he was a kid and he was there for a while. Is that is that the history? Because I mean i always sort of half jokingly always say that that ben simmons isn't even a real australian I mean, he never really plays for australia he doesn't even really have an australian accent so i'm just like ah screw that guy uh but theibel i mean theibel's american but he he just lived in australia when he was a kid right is that the story
1: yeah he he lived in australia he lived in sydney for um eight years uh as he was uh when he was a child and It's kind of it's one of it's it's funny though because this only really came to light last year in his rookie season and and I remember it was around All Star Weekend and I was there and all of a sudden this news came out and I remember asking him I'm like are you going to play with the booms at the Olympics later this year and he's just like yeah he's like I hope so he's like "Uh, I hope they'll pick me you know people have only just found out about this this story only just came out and everyone's like wait a second this guy's Australian no one actually knew but yeah he spent he spent long enough in Australia and you know I mean there's always the joke about Kyrie Irving born in Melbourne obviously he chose not to play for Australia which fair enough I don't claim him but Matisse I'll claim Aussie Matisse for sure he was here as a child he went through school and he's committed to playing for Australia so he's above Ben Simmons in my books it's
0: just 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 not a great year for Ben Simmons um tough tough look for Ben Simmons but um but he's an effing baby as Giannis uh warned (laughs) us a few years ago so um so so it goes
1: well, let's wrap it up. But uh, I will say this, whether it's the Bucks theme, whether it's the Australian theme with me, uh, I, we, I just did a podcast with ESPN about this game. And, um, you know, Paddy Mills, so much of the Australians' fortune relies on Paddy Mills. And unfortunately, he's going to have Drew Holiday waiting for him uh, in this game tomorrow. So we'll see what happens there. But the Bucs uh, free agency will continue to roll on. We'll see whether they do have another move. As I said, if you missed yesterday's podcast, go check it out. We talked about Bobby Portis, PJ Tucker, Semi Ojale today obviously the news with Rodney Hood and George Shields so I would suspect there's still moves to come we'll discuss it all on the podcast thank you all for joining us for Frank and myself we'll catch you guys tomorrow